fans, welcome back to the NBA Playoff Banter Podcast. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk about this finals that is tied up at 1-1. Look to be what was going to be another competitive close game uh, through the half, right, the first half. Third quarter, Golden State just ran away with it, and this time they really buried them even further than they had in the third quarter prior. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all 1-1. It's all tied up. So, in a way, you know, it's not a big surprise Golden State um, dominated the game last night, especially in that third quarter. Uh, I figured they'd win pretty cleanly with that urgency that they were facing, not not wanting to go down 0-2. Um, so, in, in a sense, you could come out and say, man, they really got their ass kicked, but on the other side, you could go, well, they did in the second half, but it is 1-1, so mission accomplished. Of course, you know, you want to go up 2-0, but really, if you're being realistic, just getting one of the first two. We talked about it last week when we previewed and predicted this series. Hey, they have to win one of the first games to even have a shot at winning this series, so we'll see what happens Wednesday night. I think it's Wednesday, Friday, and then Monday. So we'll probably have to do an early Monday show or, or maybe Sunday night. Uh, maybe that will be the deal uh, because that there is a game Monday, next Monday. So we're going to get into this. We're going to talk about what happened last night. We'll dip into a little bit of what happened in the second half and especially the fourth quarter in game one. And then we'll kind of preview and predict the next few games. What's going to happen? You know, who's going to win what and all that good stuff. If this is your first time listening to the NBA Playoff Banter Podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropeadope Radio. You don't have to go to Block Talk or Ropeadope if you don't want to and download the show there or listen to the browser. You can find this year's NBA podcast under the Ropeadope at Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have and you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. Now, normally I say the prices start as low as $69.99 a month, but for a limited time only, let me repeat, limited time only, for two months, it's $54.99. That's a savings of $30, and I normally talk about the choice or ultimate package right now for three months. If you upgrade to that, that's what you're going to choose. For three months, you get HBO Max, Showtime, Stars, Epics, in Cinemax. I almost had a problem with that again. That's a $160 value. Something to think about there. It's called DirecTV Stream. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Marshall and see how he's doing on this uh, early June night, or late afternoon. What's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, life is good. Um, I dusted off the golf clubs, and I played my first round in about 10 months, because I normally golf like crazy over the summer, and then I teach, and I forget golf uh, just because it's hard for scheduling. Uh, but I shot like an 86 my first round in like 10 months. I was like, wow. Okay. I was, and then yesterday, um, my dad and I looked to find a course to play on a Sunday, and obviously, you know, Sunday golf tee times are normally booked up. But we found like this, like, oh, there's a 
uh, small kind of rural town, like, oh, let's go check it out. And, and it didn't look long in distance, but it had like a hard rating. And I'm like, okay, something's not quite adding up here. Uh, first three holes, I was like, par, par, par. I'm like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> Chris, from, from hole seven through hole 12, uh, there were no pars written on the scorecard. <laughs> I was going to say, you broke the pencil? Did the pencil break or what happened? <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes it's go- even when you're playing like sports, you know when you're like, when you're competing in something you enjoy and you're doing something so difficult, you're not even getting upset. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not even going to get pissed off because right. th- this course I'm playing is brutal. So it's like, let's just remember what it's like. So when you go and play it again, it'll be easier. So it was fun, but I was like, man, the, the yardage, was, I'm like, oh, this is a short course. Can't be that hard. Oh, oh no. Well, you know, when you talk. Wait a second. <laughs> it, it was tricky. So needless to say, I got a couple of rounds of golf, uh, a couple of rounds of golf in. Uh, so that's always fun to do and, you know, try to get good for two months and hang up the clubs again for 10 months. But, yeah, got life into that. Got to get the rust off. Got to get yeah, the well, rust off. Last night it was get the rust, play the hard course, come home watch the end of a hockey game, then want to have a, a family dinner with a girlfriend and watch the Golden State Celtics game. So it was, it was a fun day of sports. And thankfully, um, I'll say this as we uh, get into game two from last night, there, there's a, I'm getting on to a, a, a trend here, which is very beneficial for me in life. It's that when I watch a sporting event with my mom and girlfriend, the teams I cheer for are 3-0. and so oh, wow. mom flew down for the Duke UNC game. My poor girlfriend had no idea what she was getting herself into for that game. <laughs> so probably it's hard to describe. So one and all there, uh, we went out to watch the uh, Liverpool Real Madrid uh, oh, soccer Super Bowl and, and they won that one. And last night they were watching the game and they're three and So I think Chris, anytime we need a, um, uh, you flying home Wednesday event, then? You're flying, <laughs> you're flying to Minnesota Wednesday. She, she, she says she's going to have to take a break. But okay. if there's ever if there's ever a Viking Super Bowl. Maybe you can FaceTime her, Skype during <laughs> it or something. If there's ever a Viking Super Bowl, I will find my yeah, mom no and kid. girlfriend in the same place and just and start praying to every god we know. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. That, but, that's a good call. <laughs> but for game two, I will say this, brother, to get to the actual game. Um, I was surprised it was a little bit – Low scoring. So at halftime, you had a score of uh, 52-50, which for a regular fan, you're like, man, you, you barely scored 100 points. It's basically and, right, really close to what it was in the first game, too. Yeah, and, and it's sure. not like they're eh, – I'll say this. This is my first point that I'll throw it back to. We'll go back and forth. I was really surprised with the initial plan of Golden State in the first half, and they weren't – really looking to shoot threes. And this is a team who, if you've watched them over the last handful of years, and whether you're a, a diehard fan or just a, 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 just a, every once in a while, I'm going to watch the finals kind of guy. The Golden State with Curry and Clay have always kind of lived off threes, especially with Poole this year. But, man, they only shot, I think, four threes in the first quarter. And so it was kind of either like – and there there's lots of shot takes and drives. So it's either Kerr – and the team said, hey, Boston's done a good job of defending the three. Let's pump fake and go in for layups. But sure. it was just really surprising to see Golden State. They played a good first quarter, but they hit, I think, one 
they hit, I think, one or two threes. Yeah, I think it was and, one or two. I think it was two. And one. yet they were in the game. I'm like, man, so I don't know if, if that's a compliment to Boston's – it's probably a combination of a compliment to Boston's defense on closing down threes and Golden State making an adjustment – but that just really caught me off guard to hit two or th- two hit two threes in the first quarter. It's like, is this the same Golden State team everyone knows about? Yeah, and it's funny because they were down, you know, early a little bit anyway, thirteen sure. to five. I'm looking at my little notes, twenty-two to thirteen at, with four minutes left of that. Brown had thirteen points real early, um, and then and then you know it took it because remember how hot. You know, we'll talk about game one a little bit in a little bit here. But, um, you know, game one, Curry just went off, set the record for threes in the first, uh, you know, for the finals in the first quarter. And um, and then, he, you know, for the first good chunk of it, he didn't have much. He had like two or four points or something like that. Then, obviously, he found his groove all the way. Um, but, yeah, they, they got back into it. They had a 10-2 run, you know, put it down to one. And then end up, you know, getting up 31 to 30. One thing that I found that was interesting, by the end of that quarter, Marshall, Brown, Tatum, and Williams all had three or two fouls. And I was like, wow, okay. So they had a pretty damn good start, you know, up 22 to 13. That's a pretty good start with four minutes left. And then all of a sudden it was like kind of unraveling a little bit. It was like, wow. It got some foul problems, maybe, and now they're down 31-30. So it was kind of an interesting start in a lot of ways. And we we were talking about that small lineup. Um, you know, what happens if game one doesn't go great or something, or one of these first two? You know, how long will, will the Celtics stay, you know, without going to that small lineup early or just starting it in general? And we did get our answer. They stayed with Looney. They stayed with the bigs and all that as far as a starting lineup. Now, Looney only played 21 minutes. Some of that, of course, was um, they played, a, you know, a variety of people at the bench. Some of that was, you know, it's not like he was playing a whole lot in the fourth quarter along with the starters. So it'll be interesting to track that. But you're right. I did notice that as well. And uh, another thing I noticed was the turnovers for Boston somewhere in the uh, second quarter? They already had nine, nine to four there, and Boston and Golden State have been kind of heavy turnover this year. We talked about how Boston do- really doesn't have a point guard. Uh, Smart's the closest thing to it, so you can kind of see that they turned the ball even more over, and, and they did. They it definitely burnt them, and you know Golden State had a nice ten zero run. They got up forty five to forty. And I was thinking, oh, man, once again, right at the 434 mark, I thought, okay, this might uh, this might get interesting here. Golden State might just breeze by them. And, and all of a sudden, you know, at half, they had 14 assists on 16 field goals, and they ended up not being up as much as I thought. Um, I did like the 14 assists on, you know, 16 field goals. I thought, okay, they're really, you know, they are moving the ball better. We talked about this before we started recording. It doesn't seem like Draymond is much is as much as a facilitator in this series, and it doesn't seem like the ball's rapidly moving all over like it normally does. But they still were able to, you know, get like you said at the hoop. 
uh, close to the hoop, getting easy buckets, and, and, and passing, you know, the you-know-what out of the ball. And then, so you had Curry of 15 after having, like, two early in that, you know, first. Tatum actually jumped up to had, like, 20 at half or 19 or something like that. And it was funny because Brown popped off right away, Marshall. He had, like, 12 before you blinked an eye. Kind of funny, though, he actually struggled after that. Shot 5 of 17, only ended up with 17 points, which was kind of a surprise there. But then the third quarter happened. And this is the thing that is, I think when we talked in our preview show, we talked about who has the coaching advantage. And you, you, this isn't really even a slight, but you got to give it to Kerr. And one of the things Kerr has done the best over his time and I don't have the exact stats to show, but if you were to look up how does Golden State do in the third quarters of games when Kerr's their coach in the playoffs, they've done really well. Um, in yeah, you're right. Last since night. 2015, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah since right. 2015. I wonder if there's going to be a stat out there that, you know, really puts it over the hump, but you can just tell eye test they've been great at it. Yeah, and in game one, they won the third quarter 38-24, and last night they won the third quarter 35-14. to So that's telling you that whatever current the coaching staff for Golden State are seeing is they're making adjustments, and it's really turning in to be beneficial for them. Now, again, I'm not saying that Boston's coach Udoka is a joke or anything, but I think that's something Kerr has experienced over him, and that's uh, obviously coaching is a huge importance in this game, and Golden State's been pulling the right strings so far coming out of halftime. Now, will that change maybe for game three? Who knows? But as a Golden State fan, it is sure nice to see. And also, like we, we've just said, there is a track record of it. So, um, yes, last night the third quarter did spin quite drastically. Um, again, 35-14, to 14, uh, when you win a quarter by 21 points in any playoff game, you know, or what, whatever quarter of the game it is, that's a huge advantage. Yeah. And, this is something to where Boston's had a couple of moments like this, and they've also done this to other teams. But if you look, Chris, going back to the Miami-Boston series, they had turns where Boston would win a quarter by 20, Miami would do it, kind of that back and forth. And Golden State, I don't think they've had quite as many of those drastic swings, but it's kind of been a common theme of the NBA playoffs this year. Yeah, uh, and we've just, it's something we're not used to, but we've seen teams just go on big runs or teams have a, a lackluster night. And it, I hope this trend doesn't continue because I think almost every NBA fan wants to watch close games. But true. Um, as you'll see, after that 35 to 14 uh, third quarter run, uh, the, the Boston Stars didn't even play for the rest of the game. Um, I guess Tatum's. Um, over under, I'll get this, Chris. Over under his prop bets, Tatum was over under twenty eight and a half points and six and a half rebounds, and he finished with twenty eight points and six boards. <laughs> so if you were if you were a, a Tatum prop better last night, you're thinking, okay, I just need just play him a little bit. I, I, I just need get him in there. I think he did play at the, at the beginning of the first or the fourth, didn't he? Because he usually plays at that time. Oh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I just yeah. heard it, but, but you're but right. Yeah, though, you're, just get him in there. <laughs> so, and at that point, you know, if you're you do it's like, okay, well, I don't want to get no. my guys hurt throwing the yeah. towel. Like, well, let's just you know, let's call it here. Um, let's yeah. play, especially at the end of that quarter. 
when Poole hit that long ass three oh. to make it eighty seven to sixty four, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, dude, this is blowout central now. You know what I mean? And by the way, you're right. Like not just the last game, but you know, for whatever reason, and, and a lot of it is going through this experience. You know, as a team, as a new coach, like all this stuff. Um, and we really don't need to keep saying Kerr's a better coach because obviously, I mean, he's been here way longer. So it's sure. not, it's not even a, I mean, when we talk about great third quarters, they've been doing it against a variety of coaches and players, right? Because that, that's what that we've, we've kind of noticed that. Um, but, um, they, they had that in the Miami. They, they've had it kind of the whole year on, or not the whole year, but the whole playoff stuff. Maybe not the first, uh, series. Two of those games were pretty tight or whatever, but yeah, they've had problems with that third quarter uh, more than just a, a, the last handful of games. That's been actually Milwaukee, Miami, and now this, so they're definitely going to have to figure that out. Um, but yeah, it just turned into blowout central, um, and, and really, you know, Brown, like I said, came early and then kind of shut off, and when you look at the other three starters, two points, two points, two points. You know, Smart was one of six from the field. Horford didn't take a three-point shot. Oh, boy, went like, what, six of eight or whatever in the last game? Didn't even take a three-point shot, which was kind of funky. And, you know, White had some good minutes but didn't shoot the ball all that well. They just didn't really get much help beyond Tatum. Like you said, he hit six threes, um, you know, and we we heard his numbers, which is a good stat. Um, Smart also had five turnovers. So it was like in game one, which we'll talk about, it was kind of all purpose, right? And and Tatum was like, all right, my shot's not there. Instead of continuing to jack shots, and we talked about how this year the biggest difference to him is the facilitation. And that guy went out and had like 12 or 13 assists. But in this game, it was kind of like, and I remember Draymond saying, you know, he kind of pointed out a couple of stats. This guy had that, that guy had that. We're going to be okay. And that's what it kind of seemed like. All right, Tatum will get his, but we're going to, we're going to lock up everybody else. And, And like I said, I'll say it again, Horford only took, or, you know, he only took four shots, one of four. But he didn't even take a three. It was pretty crazy to see that drastic difference. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I heard just some, like, morning rumblings and that maybe Horford – not excuse me, that Tatum and Brown were doing a little too much isolation ball. But if you look at that, it, it, the I mean, it, it, again, I, I, I don't follow Boston as much, but just from hearing that, it's true. Um. Tatum shot the ball 19 times and Brown shot at 17. Now I do get that your best players want to shoot the ball, but their Boston's been a team where when you watch them play Milwaukee and Miami and Golden State in game one, when they've been on their runs, they're spreading the ball and swinging it around. Um, Horford shot four times last night. Williams, who's probably hurt more than he needs, can even show one shot. Marcus Smart, six shots. So your three of your five starters shot the ball 11 times. It's like you need to get that rhythm going. Like there needs to be, you know, get feed the guy a bucket, feed him somewhere. So it seems like it was Tatum and Brown jacking and feeding each other, but they weren't getting their teammates involved because, yeah, Horford's been on a, a tremendous run this playoff, and maybe Golden State did make an adjustment because they probably didn't want that guy to drop 
26 on him again, whatever he did game one. But right. you're to go from uh, a, a, an over 20 point game and showing out to getting two points, you know, even Jack a three, it's like that, that can't all be defensive adjustments. Like he never got his rhythm. And, and I guess they actually, the, um, the next highest leading shot attempt around Boston was white. And he was, um, four of 13, which isn't really a great number. It's a lot of shots jacked up, but four for 13 for most NBA guys doesn't really consider a strong night. So, uh, I don't know. I think you made a point that sums Boston up really well. And I hope this doesn't happen for the NBA fans who are not Celtic fans is they don't, hopefully they don't get a real point guard. Cause if this team was to get a real point guard, I get that would cut into minutes, but that's kind of the one issue they have where we've seen Marcus Smart have some rough down the game stretches in playoffs. Cause he's not really a great ball handler and distributor. And he's kind of had some turnovers probably aren't all his fault, but they really don't have that pass first or true point guard. And maybe that can show in nights like this, Chris, where you don't quite get in that flow and you don't have a rhythm, but there really is not a guy who's well, ball designed. Handlers. Because Golden State doesn't have a pass-first point guard in their starting lineup either. Pass-first, you know, it's ball handlers. You know what I mean? You're you're right, ball. Yeah, ball handlers. Yeah, pass. Well, true. Yeah, pass. Pass. Okay. I don't think Curry's passing. No, well, I don't know if I've seen him <laughs> on the court. But uh, yeah, <laughs> and but to go a little further in, I don't. I didn't see them constantly go. I mean, they do go one on one a lot, but when you say Jack and shots. 19 and 17, I wouldn't really call that jack and shots because Curry took 21. He was 9 to 21. Uh, Thompson took 19 shots. He was 4 of 19. Wiggins was 4 of 12. Uh, Poole took 14 shots. They had more guys shooting <laughs> just in general, but I wouldn't call Jack an 8 of 19. And then when you look at the assist, it was 24 to 25. So it's not like it was all just – I think I think it's a combination of uh, – I don't think it was just all them trying to jack and win the game and play hero ball at all, actually. I think they actually were like, hey, we're really going to tighten up on these guys. F that. They're not going to go out because the numbers – we'll go over in a second, but the numbers was like, wow. Actually, let's let's jump into that since we're here anyway because we, we don't have to talk too much about the fourth quarter, right? Because it was uh, it was a wrap at that point. But, I mean, when you look at those numbers from game one, uh, the spread of the, you know, and, and I, I think the turnovers played a part, obviously. I mentioned that, especially early, like, first half of the game. But, I mean, just looking at the spread, like Tatum, you know, 3 of 17 is bad, but we saw him get 13 assists, but 26 points. Um, Williams was 4 for 4. Uh, Smart only took 11 shots, but ended up with 18. He he was four of seven as well from three. I kind of forgot about that. And Brown took more shots. He had 23, um, you know, and had 24 points, but he took 23 to get there. You know what I mean? And then White had a great game. I think that was the difference. He was 6-11, to your point, about shooting the ball better. If a couple of those go down, then all of a sudden maybe they do got to draw more attention to the to the – you know, the the big names, and then all of a sudden it kind of leaves uh, Marcus Smart open for a cut or Horford open for a three. Um, so, yeah, I mean, shit, I mean, they yeah, Tatum only took two less shots in the first game, and then obviously Brown had, took six more shots. So, 
I don't know, man. But, but then again, they only had six turnovers in that game, you know, comparatively. And they had nine pretty early in the second quarter. Um, speaking of game one, though, and we'll, we'll we preview game three and game four just coming off game two. But game one, um, you know, Curry was just magnificent. The dude was six of eight, 21 points. Golden State was up 32 to 28. They had it going. I mean, they really had it going. But both teams had it going from three. There's a little part, like maybe a couple minutes into the second quarter, Marshall, where um, Golden State was had eight three, yeah, eight of eighteen and eight of seventeen for Boston. And I think they set that record four threes made in a finals game. It was like, um, actually, have it here if I can find it really quick. Yeah, thirty seven. Uh, the most it, it hit thirty seven. That was the most combined in a freaking game in the finals. Um, so you know they were definitely going off. And you know Golden State kind of looked like they were going to get out. I think they got out to like forty seven to thirty seven with like an eight minute mark. I'm looking at my notes. Boston made you know a, a nice run to get back into it, um, and they somehow got over the top of that. Um, and actually had the lead, 56-54. But then the third quarter, like you said, I think it got it as high as like 80-66. to 66. It was 92-80 to 80 heading into the fourth quarter. Um, Iggy, there was an Iggy sighting. I wrote that in my notes because he was like, he came in and actually had a couple of good buckets right away. But then the fourth quarter came, and – it came quick too. It was like a, a seven or, or nine oh run, something like that. And it was like before you know it, midway, I think it was uh Brown got his twenty fourth point. I'm looking in my notes, and it was one oh one one hundred with six minutes left. What the hell happened after that? Because Horford hit a three, they took a lead, and you know, Green missed a couple of free throws. With three minutes left, which, you know, that didn't cost them the game 100%. But, you know, they needed it at that point. And there was like a, a three-minute stretch where it was like 14-0. It was pretty crazy what happened in that fourth quarter, including Curry <laughs> twisting his ankle. Now, luckily, he's fine. But I thought, oh, shit, dude, 17-0 run over a five-minute stretch and Curry twisted his ankle. It did look pretty there for a second. Yeah, I mean, when a team hits, uh, when a team shoots seven threes in a row and they make all seven in, in a in a short span, it's like that that game just like evaporated. Um, they did one of those like live audio in in the timeout things, which is kind of cool to see what the coaches hear and say because a lot of times it's not well, sometimes cliche, sometimes insightful. But I remember a timeout where Kerr said, "Hey, we're down three. They made their run. We knew it was going to happen. We'll be okay. Let's just play our ball." And after that timeout down three, the score was never even pretty again. Like, I think they that was in kind of the middle of that run. You're just like three, three, three. You had like four threes in a row, and you're like, dude, this thing's done. Like, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't even close. And you normally just don't have runs like that. So you can say that's shit defense. You can say they screwed something up, but – I mean, if, if literally, if, if any team in the NBA hits seven threes in a row, like no one's going to win that game. So, I, 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 I may be going a little bit soft on Golden State, but Boston was swinging the ball. Everyone was getting involved. It was Horford. It was Pritchard. It was uh, Tatum. Like they weren't missing. 
And so in, in like in like a five minute stretch of actual gameplay, you went from having a little bit of a lead to do like like curtains. This thing's over. So I and you just I mean, what can you really say as a fan? Like and it's not like every three was wide open, but no, every, right. no it, I, it was just they got super hot. <laughs> and that's how you go from you win a fourth quarter or excuse me. You won the third quarter by 14 points. You're sitting pretty good home for game one. And then Boston runs you out your own gym 40 to 16 in the fourth. Like that normally doesn't happen in any, any regular season or postseason. Uh, but they got on a heater <laughs> and they weren't leaving that table until they got a few more blackjacks or they, there was no craps being rolled at the dice table. I don't know, whatever Vegas cliche you want to use, man, they, they couldn't miss and that, that thing was done. So, and just to finalize uh, what you said, nine three pointers in the fourth quarter that tied Jesus. a record going back to 2017 uh, on the seventh of June when Golden State did that when they hit nine threes in a quarter or in the first quarter of that quarter. Um, in the the Celtics, this is from ESPN stats and info. The Celtics are the first team in NBA history just to kind of show what you're talking about to win a final games uh, to win a final game. Uh, by double digits after trailing by double digits in the fourth quarter. Um, that's what I thought was so insane about it. And now they're um, nine and three on the road in the playoffs, including, you know, yesterday's game. Nine and three, though, that that's pretty insane. And like I said, I, I liked it, it was one of those things where you're like, man, Tatum had a rough game scoring three of 17. Like, that's the game you have to win, right? But, but, Tatum had the most assists in a finals debut, 13. Jordan had 12. Stockton had 12. Isaiah Thomas had 12. And I thought that was a huge difference maker. And some of that spreading the ball a little bit more, like you mentioned as well. I also thought if you look at Steph had a good-ass game, no doubt. But on the 29 possessions, uh, Smart was actually guarding him. He only got eight out of there. So he, he definitely made a difference in that first uh, game and then defensive wise on the other side uh, through two games when Wiggins has been on Tatum he's made it tough through 50 possessions he only has uh, 13 points 5 of 15 shooting when they're actually one on one with each other so it's kind of uh, you know it, it's kind of like game one kind of went to that defender right and smart and game two went to Wiggins as far as that goes, now it's not like it, either of them didn't stop anyone. But when we're talking about one-on-one, they're actually there because you know how basketball works. It's like you don't always get matched up with your guy because you had to go get this other guy because he was ahead of the pack. And, and next thing you know, you're not matched up, even though Boston can uh, switch a lot. And that's why when they miss shots um, or not getting that offensive rebound either, Boston, that helps them in that matchup game, Golden State. And it doesn't, you know, it's not Curry having to work so much because right now, beyond Poole, and Poole didn't have a great game one, game two, he definitely came back and, and, and you know, had a, a long spurt that was really key in that third quarter, I thought. Um, but Curry's been really, because Thompson had a rough game, you know, Curry's been really having to work even harder than he normally does. So I've been impressed with that. Wiggins giving him credit in smart game, game two. And actually, Jalen Brown. I saw a stat through two games. Uh, Jalen Brown has been playing 
better defense than offense so far, which is pretty crazy. Well, he had that good first game offensively, I shouldn't say that. But postseason scoring leaders going into it, Tatum led with 486 going into the finals. Luke Doncic, 475, Butler, 466, Curry, 415, and Browns, 413. So, you know, they have depended on those two a lot, and we're going to have to see, you know, the others chip in, whether that's passing to them or them when they have an opportunity and it's one-on-one just going for it as well. Either way, we're going to have to see a little bit more spread all around, uh, you know, from that team. Uh, from Boston, heading bo- uh, back to Boston uh, for game three. Any other kind of recap notes you had, or, or should we start to get into this uh, game three, game four stuff? No, I, I think we're good to, to move up to when the next game is um, a couple nights away. And in case you didn't know, they were giving the guys um, two days off between games instead of the one like they'd been doing the first couple of rounds. The only uh, one-day break is actually between this Wednesday and Friday. Um, So games three and four in Boston, which obviously is probably the best time to do it because the guys aren't traveling. They get one day in the hotel in Boston or Boston's at home. And then you again get a a extra travel day when the teams will – well, they mathematically they have to fly back to Golden State. There's no sweep. So, yeah, game three um, is in Boston Garden. And – if you look at these teams, and that's where we were talking about this before the show, it wouldn't surprise me, and this is this is just straight-up trends, that if we go back to the series and it's 5-5, five to five, or excuse me, if we go to the series and Game 5, is the series is squared away at 2-2. Two to Because two. both of these teams, Chris, have had a tremendous way of bouncing back after a loss. Like, they're, neither of these teams have really lost two games in a row. Boston's had a tremendous... Uh, playoff road record this year. Um, so just just based off that, it would not surprise me if one way or the other, um, I guess if you're going off a trend, Boston wins game three, Golden State wins game four. Um, but I, I, I guess what I'm saying is it wouldn't surprise me just because neither has really gotten into a, a, a slump. Um, these coaches have made adjustments. Right. Um Clay, Clay's has has hot and cold moments, but you know, everyone, he's been for about one out of every three to four games. He's gone off like he used to be game six, Clay. Um, Tatum seems to follow up any rough night he has with a strong night. I think Curry's doing all he can for to get a, a finals MVP finally once and for all. But, um, yeah, I think we're, we're seeing he's got that. A good start. Teams, he's got a good start. No shit. They're off to a strong start for highs and lows, but I, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I think you're going to agree with me. Would you be surprised, Chris, if this series did come back to Golden State um, this following Monday and one team won both games in Boston? Yeah, I would. I would. I definitely would. I do think, like you said, they, neither team has uh, lost back-to-back, and obviously that's saying something in it's a 2-7 game series for Boston as well. Um, I still can't believe that eight road games they've won uh, in this playoff so far. But uh, but that also tells you about the home, right? So, but I do think my gut's telling me Golden State was in a must-win last night, and they got the job done very confidently. Third quarter they dominated, like we've talked about. I do think there's still going to be that urgency to be like, hey man, we got to get this whole, we got to get this thing back, back, you know, like meaning home court advantage as well. So my gut's telling me. 
they're going to go up 2-1, and we're going to break the streak of that, you know, not losing back-to-back. But I really would be surprised if Boston lost three in a row. Uh, So, no, I think we'll see um, a 2-2 series, uh, you know, heading back for Monday. Like, when we do the show, if we do it Sunday night or Monday, I do think it'll be all tied up. But my guess is game three, and we see this with the higher seed a fair amount. Somehow we got to bring the Timberwolves into this podcast, right? I remember we're dating back to 2003-2004 series or, or season. So this would be 2004 because the playoffs. Um, I remember they were they had the home court against Sac, and Sac won game one. And speaking of Sac, Cassell did the running down the court, holding hit, showing how big his was uh, with like a 44-point game in game two. Uh, and then it was a crazy overtime game where KG just pulled him out of nowhere, kept making tough buckets, got up 2-1. Long story short, just trying to desperately get my Timberwolves into the podcast. Um, I do think Golden State actually will win game three, but then Boston will respond. And we'll be talking about a 2-2 game series. So let me ask you this question then, my friend. Um, obviously, Curry's been doing his part. Um, Boston's had their highs and lows of quarters like we've seen on and off. If, if you're either team, what is one adjustment, whether it is Golden State or Boston? It's an open-end question that you would expect to see. I mean, I, I think these teams are so good. The home court isn't a huge, huge deal. But what is one adjustment, whether it be Golden State or Boston, that you think we'll see in games three and four, whether it could be maybe, um, I, I don't know, uh, maybe Boston rearranging the lineup because Williams has been dinged up or maybe Clay gets hot. Like what's something you expect that we haven't seen yet or a change you think a coach might make in this series? Well, we were talking about the small lineup. I just mentioned a little bit ago from Golden State, and then we we talked about it in the preview last Monday. Um, interesting stat after game one, Marshall. Um, when when it was just one big on the floor um, for the Celtics, which was 16 minutes of the game, at least one big, it was a plus 31. Okay, that's pretty crazy. Uh, tw- I think it was when it was just Horford on the floor, it was plus 23. So, you know, if if they did lose game three, then I uh, – and I'm talking about Golden State losing it. Then I kind of think that they may go quicker to that smaller lineup. And, yeah, Williams kind of kind of landed weird again last game. Um, so I'm wondering if that's going to linger a little bit if they get a couple of days off, so that'll help. So I'm still wondering how much more minutes, and we did see a little bit more of it in game two, but not the – I mean, obviously they didn't change the lineup, you know, straight up. It's like, no, we're taking Looney out. Um, because, you know, I, I think, you know, Looney's – I just think it – I think that – I just think that they'd have a, a heyday in some ways – uh, especially starting lineup if they took Looney out of it. So I still don't, unless they lose these next two games, then maybe Looney, you know, would be out of it. But, man, I mean, he's been pretty effective. I mean, he had a good game. I mean, he was – he didn't miss a shot, right? I think he didn't miss a shot this last game. And he had some pretty good numbers. 
Um, so I'm still kind of stuck on that, you know, when are they going to, are they going to go to that small lineup? But even in the first game, I think Looney had like, I don't know if he got the 10 boards or whatever, but I'm looking, I'm wondering if they're going to try to, you know, play Horford off the court a little bit if they even can, um, which I'm not sold they can. Um, but also, the ball movement just in general, I think we will see something we talked about already. I think we will see a, a little bit more ball movement. Um, and, and I think Brown needs to get involved in that as well. Maybe he could have a game if his shot's off where he has eight or nine assists or something like that. But I don't see any major adjustments that pop up. What about you? I think the the one thing that, if you are Boston, it's just that if Williams is hurt, like his, I mean, last night he played 14 minutes, two points. That's tough. And that guy really is kind of the linchpin of their defense. So that is unfortunate for him. He that played guy, so good us, in game one too, dude. And, and I mean, the the way that Bam played in the Heat series when he was on the court and off the court, it, it, it was an entirely different Bam. So, in, I mean, team team rivalry aside, the guy's had a tremendous season and he, he was part of the reason why Marcus Smart won the defense player of the year is because of his effort. But um, I, I think that with his minutes being limited, the one thing they really don't want to use is having, like, a big, like, Tice on the court. You know, I mean, he played 14 minutes last night. He was in minus seven. So it, I'll be curious to see as to what Boston does because if you have They Horf- definitely go with the other Williams more, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, you got Horford. Like, Horford is a big. And they really want to have Williams, but obviously if, if Williams is hurt and Tice is a guy that gets really exposed defensively and is not an, uh, an offensive threat to score, um, yeah, I guess if you're Boston, Chris, you just have to really hope that he heals up. And if not, um, you definitely have to get Horford more in, involved. Um, the one thing I'll, I guess I'll be looking for is – um, how does Boston come out in these games? This is a team who, I mean, I, I was made a fool, but I really thought in, in um, it would have been, I suppose, uh, game three and game six in those Miami series is this is a Boston team who came out really sluggish in two first quarters, and they blew that game six at home. At home. I, I really thought they were going to win. And at game three, after playing pretty good in Miami, they got, they got, I think, beat by like 21 points in a quarter. So, yeah, you know, they're a younger, not as veteran of a team, sure. But are you really going to have another one of those moments for a man to come out and like end of the first quarter, game three, and the Golden State Warriors lead 36 to 18? You're like, huh? Like, what, what is it that's making Boston become a better road team this year than a home team? Because in, in basketball, it's normally not the theory. So, who knows? But yeah, so be, yeah, be curious to see if, if they can come out a little more, I don't know what the right word is, because obviously they're focused and they're energized. Like, well, especially at home. Because they're not they mailing it in. really good last, last night, but you're right, at home. That's yeah, the biggest thing. Yeah, something just hasn't been quite clicking. So I'll be curious to see. And if you're Golden State, if you can, hey, win the first quarter, and you know the third quarter's kind of been your, your go-to, like, ah, things look up all of a sudden. Um, one name I will say is we near the end here for Golden State, which I forgot to – um, Gary Payton Jr. is uh, back. He played last night, um, and I know he's not a tremendous offensive option, but that dude can play really good defense. He's a he's a dog of a defender, 
So having him back last night was definitely a, a huge bonus. Um, you assume that if he's back on the court, um, the elbow must be good. So I would not expect him to have any limited minutes. I'm, I'm, assu- I'm assuming, again, I'm trying to play doctor here, but if you have an injured elbow and you're cleared, I don't think, he, you know, I, I, I don't think the guy's at 50 or 60%. So um, this is a guy who can kind of help chime in with that uh, team of you know, Clay and Draymond. They're not, well, Clay is for sure not the defender he used to be. And Draymond, he's wise, but he's even lost a little bit of his step. So having a guy, from a Golden State standpoint, having a guy like Peyton, who is becoming, uh, you know, from what that people say, a really good, good defender. Like, that's something that Golden State needs because Boston's going to have their moments where they hit the three. So I'll be curious to see how Kerr um, uses Peyton because I'll make this point, Chris. It's the fact that Poole is a tremendous scorer, but he, he's he got that kind of Olay defense or can't play defense yet. And Peyton's kind of got that, you know, I can defend my ass off and I'll hit a couple of clutch buckets if need be. So – who of those guys, maybe, I mean, maybe Kerr goes a little bit back and forth, but I'll be curious to see how Peyton and Poole, how their minutes are um, adjusted or distributed uh, on the next couple of games uh, in Boston. Yeah, and just going off, I mean, when we talk about going off of, you know, Williams not being in there, he makes, he's not a great offensive player. But he did average like ten points, so he can he can you know get those those you know garbage buckets. He obviously you know will spin out and, and be all alone under the basket or the alley oop or whatever. You know he definitely rolls to the basket really well. But kind of to to talk about the other stuff when you do have a Theus in there, obviously he's not a threat at all, basically on on, on offense. And no. He's not a great defender. I think his first year or whatever, it seemed like he was pretty good. But ever since then, it hasn't been as good. Maybe they just figured him out, and he's pretty limited. And that kind of plays into maybe that's why the other guys couldn't score. Because it was like, well, we don't got to guard this dude. He's not going to be under the hoop like Williams, uh, you know, and obviously do what he can do defensively, which sparks your offense too. Because if you're blocking shots, you're making tough, you know, tougher shots for Golden State that can get you on the break, not just fast break, but on the move and not have to worry about having that point guard in a half-court setting. Um, and even Williams, he'll score a little bit more, no doubt. Um, but it's still like, well, is he a big threat offensively? He's very up and down, so that's another guy they can kind of lean off of and, and, and go at smart or go at you know these other guys. Um, which helps them a lot defensively and makes it tougher for Boston, especially in a half-court setting. And they didn't get those – I think they were tied with offensive rebounds. Neither team really got a bunch of them. And I think that's where Boston really has to to get that second chance uh, to try to get some easy buckets as well because they're not as good uh, in the half-court overall. Um, let's clean up the stat from last week, shall we? Yeah, are you talking about the trivia? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so if you were listening last uh, week, we had that trivia question, which was very fun. But I, I misspoke on the on the team in the city. So the the question we used to wrap up last week's show was, when is the last time a team won the NBA title from the Western Conference from a state that wasn't California or Texas? And I mistakenly said uh, Denver. The thing is, um, it was the Nuggets. 
but actually it was the Seattle Supersonics. So it is crazy to think that for a long time we had a stretch of the, well, obviously Jordan won a lot, but it, the, the, the Western teams who were winning the rings were coming from California and coming from uh, Texas. But the last team to do it was 79. Um, and 75, that was, uh, wasn't it? Uh, 79. Oh, okay. was, uh, was the Seattle uh, Supersonics. So again, that's still a, a great bar trivia question. When's the last time a team from the Western Conference won a title that wasn't from California or Texas? You're going up north to uh, Seattle. So uh, a, a good sense, question too. to drop I mean, on your friends. When you look at the Lakers' domination for so long, going back to then, the beginning of the 80s, basically, um, I mean, that, that makes sense. Of late Golden State, throw in the Spurs that got four titles in there. Don't mm-hmm. you know Houston back to back? Dallas got that one. Like it really does line up. You're like, yeah, I suppose. And then obviously, like you said, you know, LeBron, Jordan winning six of them. LeBron <laughs> winning what one of them from there, or wait, three of them from there. So yeah, it does limit you. If the East is winning a fair amount, it's not like. Uh, there was a long stretch like it was uh, AFC, NFC. For You know, when I was a kid, there was this long run where the NFC would just win the, the Super Bowl, period. So when it, you got – it's kind of even that way as far as winning it. And even though the West, you know, since the late 90s has really dominated overall as far as the best players, the best teams, all that stuff, um, and I'm not talking about the best player. I'm talking about the best play, the depth of it. Um, it's obviously caught more up of late, though, thank goodness. I um, mean, we've had some elite teams that have gone through, or even a, an all-purpose team like Detroit when they, you know, when they won and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's a crazy stat. I just wanted to – it's funny because after that I, I was like, hey, wait a second. But I never actually randomly – I got distracted and didn't, didn't uh, actually check it. So I'm glad that you checked it and texted me. Um, any, any last words? Otherwise, uh, you can get us out of here. Oh, no, what do you I, think's going to happen? Like I mean, game-wise, I, you never actually did do your pick. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting a, 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 a split in Boston. I think it comes back to Golden State for Game Five at a one-one draw. I'm obviously hoping that, um, my being a Golden State fan since '09, right. not a bandwagon jumper, I hope they win both games. But I just think that with, um, yeah, just like Clay and, and a Draymond getting attack, like yeah, there's too many. Little questionable variables that are hard to predict, and I, I think that Boston will play um, better. Well, actually, I can't. I don't. I don't know. I'm going with a one-one uh, prediction, and if we're up two-zero to close out, hoorah! So on the note, we will be back. We will uh, be previewing uh, our doing our show right before that game five, so we will be able to recap what occurred in Boston. And until then, enjoy the podcast. Uh, we'll be back later slash early this week, next week, whatever. And have a good one. Enjoy the summer weather with your friends, family, and have a good time. The boys are out tonight. Peace.